Let's go. Let's go. Oh, no. Do you want to? Sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Thanks. I'm excited and I feel relaxed and I'm ready to party. Don't say sorry. You don't need to do that. You don't need to apologize. It's a fucked up female habit. You don't need to be sorry for anything ever. Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? I don't have rage issues! I have nothing to prove to you. When I'm good, I'm very good. But when I'm bad, I'm better. I say when it comes to stardom and Lauren, there are no accidents. Hi, Karen Peterson. Welcome to Citizen Dame, the podcast where we believe women first and then men maybe later. I'm Karen Peterson, joined as always by the amazing Lauren Humphreys Brooks. Hello. How are you, Lauren? I'm doing all right. Are you? I am. Good. I am. It is a lovely day here in New York City. Uh, Finally, we've had some pretty hot days for the past couple of days. So it's nice to actually be able to open my windows and not just have the air conditioning blasting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that today, too. So it's it's like 68 right now. It's so perfect for us. Yeah. For almost fall morning. So, yeah. What else is happening? What else is happening? Um, not much. Uh, it's just a nice day in New York, and <laughs> um, I, and like I I spend too much time online, so I get pissed off at shit. Mm-hmm. Some of which we're going to talk about today. <laughs> well, let's talk about that shit today. Talk about the shit that is making us pissed off. I honestly like we're we're kind of at the point where we should begin changing the name of the podcast. Just be like, what's making Karen and Lauren mad this week? <laughs> Just like, why won't you people just just reason and be rational at least? You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man. Well, let's uh let's just dive right in, I guess. Uh well, first of all, first of all, um, I didn't put this on the agenda for you, but just you know, in in the light of keeping our listeners informed of what's happening, because a lot of people that listen to the show are not on Twitter. Um, because they are the smart ones. Yes. Um, Ezra Miller has apologized to the Warner Brothers executives. So there you go. <laughs> well, that's the really important thing. <laughs> that's the really important thing is to be to, the executives are the real victims here. Right. Jesus Christ. I, yeah. You know, people have been talking about Warner Brothers. Obviously, we have been too for the past the past couple of weeks. And it just feels like, wow, this is like watching someone fuck up massively in real time. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've never seen people talked about it of like, you know, HBO Max is being one of the, the best streamers and they are just rapidly destroying both not just the the streaming service itself, but the credibility of it and the credibility of Warner Brothers and like the faith that people have in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's remarkable. Well, it's just like, man, I've never seen anyone shoot themselves in the foot so continuously and and somehow try to argue that it's a good thing. Like, it's a good thing I'm bleeding out on the floor right now. <laughs> it's so true. It's so weird. It's it's very weird to watch that happen. And it's like, you guys have been too successful. We're going to run you into the ground, you know? Yeah, exa- no, exactly. It's just like you you took something and like, and their stocks are dropping and everything like that you took something that was working and that was in fact getting a lot of praise and a lot of attention and 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 look at what what you're doing to it Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. It's, anyway, it's so, remarkable. but it's all good now because Ezra Miller apologized. So we're good. Everything's fine. That just fixes it all. We're cool <laughs> now, right? That's how that works. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> how it works. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Uh. Yeah. So there's really no good segues. Um. From speaking of people that are the worst. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Uh. We go from Ezra Miller to Shia LaBeouf. And it's funny because when I first saw this story and I sent it to you and like, hey, we should probably talk about this. I I don't know why. I didn't anticipate what would happen throughout the day yesterday uh, and how much louder it would get and how much more annoying it would get. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, um, so what happened was uh, on Wednesday, this week's variety had Olivia Wilde on the cover and there was this big interview with Olivia Wilde. Uh, it's all in preparation for her film. Don't worry, darling, which comes out next month, I believe. And um it stars her boyfriend, Harry Styles, but not because he's her boyfriend, because he actually is becoming a good actor and he's getting really into the acting thing. I'm sure the fact that they're dating helped him land the role, but that's not why he was cast. Um, and then Florence Pugh is in it. Um, Monsieur Pine is in it. Uh, so, you know, pretty great cast. Olivia Wilde is in it, too, actually. Um, anyway. It's a pretty anticipated film for cinephiles, for film Twitter people. And I don't know how many people even know about this movie outside of the film Twitter universe, but, you know, whatever. It's fine. Anyway, in the interview that she gave to Variety, she talked about the fact that the role Harry Styles plays was originally supposed to be Shia LaBeouf and that he was eventually fired not because of the allegations that happened. He was fired before those came out, but because of some, you know, onset behavior and stuff like that. Well, the day after that article, so, or two days, I guess, yesterday, IndieWire ran a story that uh, Shia LaBeouf is claiming he quit, he wasn't fired, and her version of events is not at all what happened. And then he said, by the way, I have the receipts, which... Nowadays, anybody who has screenshots or emails, it's automatically assumed that their version is true. And that's the part that I want to talk about. Not the Shia LaBeouf versus Olivia Wilde of it all exactly, but the whole argument of I have the receipts and then what that does and the way that that further divides people and creates factions. So Lauren, what are what have been your thoughts over the last, you know, 24 hours as this has unfolded? <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I've been, I've been exhausted, basically. I was exhausted the second that this began to be talked about again, because um, I'm pretty positive that the discussion about, about the reason why Shia LaBeouf was fired and all of that was old news. That was something that had been mentioned um, when the film was being made. Uh and and particularly around because he the timeline is I'm a little confused by the timeline, so I'm not 100 percent on this. But my understanding is that that he got fired and then the allegations about him came out um, and it, it all happened within about the same time frame. Right. Yeah, so it was the end within of a couple like of 2020. Days, yeah. yeah. Um, and the the you know, and I, I do think that there are a few things we have to remember about Shia LaBeouf before we go into, you know, he said, she said 
who's right, who's wrong. And I think that there's probably a combination of things. Um, but a few things that we should remember is that he has been credibly accused of abuse uh, by, by his ex-girlfriend and by, I think by two exes, in fact. And these are very, this is very serious allegations of abuse. This is like, and I mean, all abuse allegations are serious, but these are like serious physical violence, threats, uh, psychological violence, et cetera. So we need to keep that in mind. We also need to keep in mind that he has been notorious about being a problem on set. Um, leaving aside yeah. the the uh, personal allegations against him, he is notoriously problematic. He's notoriously difficult to work with. Because um, of his method. Yeah, it, it's like if for a long time, for a long time, the, the excuse was, me was method acting. A lot of it does seem to have to do with drugs and alcohol, um, et cetera. So LeBuff, Le Buff is is not a he's not someone whose word I immediately take as gospel, I think is the point. Right. Um, and we need to remember those things about him. And, and that does not mean that he is wrong and she is right. That does not mean that, you know, there aren't other things going on here. But we really need to look at, you know, whose word we're taking and whose narrative we're accepting as the, the true one. Right. Um, so then there, there's that. The other thing that has really bothered me is the glee with which people have jumped on the hatred against Olivia Wilde. And we, in fact, talked about Olivia Wilde not that long ago, a couple weeks ago, in fact, mm -hmm. um, in reference to uh, to the Amber Heard trial um, and in reference to the kind of the way in which the Internet generally, but but particularly Twitter and TikTok, vilify uh, women and vilify women who have these actual romantic relationships with people like Harry Styles or Johnny Depp, um, who become these like beloveds, right, of the internet. Uh, and the way in which fans weaponize those relationships and have these very bizarre and disturbing parasocial relationships with, um, uh, with people like Harry Styles. So I think all of that needs to be kept in mind, especially when we watch the degree to which wild herself has been vilified long before any of this was a conversation right yeah uh so yeah and and watching some of them just like you know this this reads a lot like what went on with amber heard it's a different thing obviously it's a different story but this does read a lot about read a lot like what went on with amber heard this really seems to be a part of the same playbook and all of us need to really be aware of that and be very, very careful about who we declare is right in this situation. Yeah, absolutely. Because here's the thing. Um, and here's exactly as all of this as I was reading it and and as I was watching the conversation that people were having, there was just some very specific things that I started pinpointing in this particular case. And this is stuff that people need to keep in mind every time these things happen so this is like whenever you see a he said she said type of situation unfolding there are some really important things to keep in mind one anybody can write anything they want in an email and that does not make it true whether the other person responds or not because you know one of the one of the things that people are using as evidence uh, that Shia is telling the truth is that he wrote this very nicely written email to her that's just like 
I was really surprised to read that you said I was fired and that it was for this and that. And this is, you know, that's not what happened. And, and just going on and it's like, yeah, sure. He has written a lot of stuff. Like he is a, he's a professional writer in addition to an actor. So he knows how to write a pretty word. Um, and she didn't respond. And there could be lots of reasons for not responding, even to not say, mm, Shia, you've got this story wrong. There's, there's lots of potential reasons why. So the fact that she didn't reply to him, or at least he didn't supply a reply, uh, does not mean that his version is true or correct or accurate. And people need to keep that in mind. People have the right not to respond to a, to an email that accuses them of stuff. Um, in addition to that, then further quote unquote evidence that went out was the release of this video like message. I'm assuming it was a message cause he wasn't talking to her. Um, but it was a video of her basically. It seems like she's pleading for him to come back. We'll work this out. I'll talk to Miss Flo and the fact that she refers to Florence Pugh as Miss Flo. A lot of people are thinking that that's like a dig at, at Florence Pugh, um, which in watching the video and not knowing all the context, it does kind of sound like she's mocking her a little bit potentially, but that could be something else entirely as well. The thing is too, we don't see the entire video. It starts off a little bit into it. So obviously there was something that got cut off. So it's like this, there's, there's a lot of things that could be, be going on here so those are things that you need to consider is the video complete is the is there a response to the email if there's not or those things haven't been provi provided don't just assume that the entire context of this is everything that is true about the story okay so that's i think that's something that people in general need to keep in mind not just about olivia versus shia but in other things for those who are on film twitter and you may have seen some things happening between a critics organization and a member, now former member, um, just because there are screenshots and emails and letters does not make one version of events correct and accurate and the other mm -hmm. one invalid. You know, there's a lot of things that people don't know um, when just part of the story is being a very curated part of the story is being shared. So I guess that's that was my point and that was what I wanted yeah. to talk about in all of this is that just because there are quote unquote receipts doesn't mean that that proves anything and everything. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that that's something that we need to I think that you're absolutely right. We we really need to consider that it was interesting when, you know, in, in terms of the Olivia Wilde issue. Um, when when initially people were talking about the video, I was I was like, oh, this sounds pretty, pretty damning. Then I actually watched the video and I was like. You know, there's a lot that's going on that we are not privy to. So there are references to like, um, you know, her working out some conflict between Shia and and Florence Pugh, or at least that's what it seems to be indicated. Right. We Which don't know what that his story is. that he quit because of not getting rehearsal time. Yeah, we don't know what that conflict is. It could be just clashing of personalities. It could be, which happens on film sets. It could be something really serious. It could be something not terribly serious. You know, there are all kinds of things. So that's something that a director obviously has to deal with. And some directors are better at it than others. Some people don't take responsibility for their, their sets. Some people do, et cetera. But there is a whole bunch of shit that she is referencing in that video that we are not privy to. 
And that could be months upon months of conversation and backbiting and sniping and argument and all kinds of things that are going on that happen on a film set and that happen within any group of people. A lot of this reads a little just a little bit like friends falling out and like half of the friend faction going with one person and the other half going with the other person and everybody arguing about what actually happened. And one person kind of stuck in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's that's what it reads like, essentially. And at the end of the day, is that fascinating? Yeah, yeah, it can be, um, especially if you're not directly involved with it. But there is a there are conclusions being drawn, and particularly when you then add in all of these other things that have been attached both to LaBeouf and to Wild, you begin to go like this: something is happening here that complicates this even more. And that really we, as the people who are outside of it, should not be deciding who is right and who is wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. What bothers me, I think, the most about the vilification of Wild is that it is it is so close to what we have seen about other women. Mm-hmm. Um, we are people are so willing to believe a demonstrably abusive man over a woman that you don't like. And at the end of the day, it's like, I don't give a shit if you like Wild or not. I don't have a particular opinion about her as a human being, right? Um, but you can't decide, I don't like this woman and therefore she is the worst. Um, I don't like this woman because she's dating a guy that I am attracted to, right? You cannot like her, that's fine. But you can't then go off and decide like, ah, oh, well, this is proof that she is in fact the worst, that she should be harassed that um that we should condemn her that we should mock her all of that stuff people were were doing things like mocking the um you know she made reference to like a pinky promise right and again it's kind of like first of all we don't know the context of that we don't really know the tone in which that is being said um and finally i i what is your problem with this like what is your problem with this woman because the vitriol that is being directed at her feels a lot more vitriolic than it needs to be yeah and and i do think that there is a lot of um internalized misogyny going on i think that there is a lot of glee in particularly attacking um a a woman uh and it it's it it's bothersome and it uh, at the end of the day it doesn't matter whether or not she was right or he was right or anybody was right um the the direction that this conversation is going is really clear and it's part of a of a broader playbook that we have talked about and it feels like that no one has particularly learned anything yeah and to me that is the point like we're so quick to take sides with people we don't know i don't understand i will never understand why people are so willing to jump in and stick their neck out and just go on the record and say this is absolutely true or false about this person that I like you know and it's like sure there are a lot of of movie stars that I enjoy their work a lot of directors I really enjoy their work but if things come out about them as people I'm not going to just assume because I enjoy watching them on a screen that everything that they say is is the truth and that they're not horrible people if things come out and vice versa I'm also not going to assume that just because I don't like somebody that anything horrible that comes out about them is absolutely true either. Like there's, we don't know 
we just we don't know them we do not know these people we get in this false sense of feeling like we do because we invite them into our homes via our television screens but we don't know them and we need to stop acting like we do yeah exactly and and, you know it goes back to those those questions of parasocial relationships which the internet there's always been fandom there's always been kind of extreme fandom in a lot of ways um you know you could you go back to like Beatlemania and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know hell hell I watched I watched a film about Franz Liszt the other day, uh, <laughs> and but but I mean there's always been that kind of like those celebrities that become these like major focal points of people's lives, which is never good. I don't think it's never good to make a celebrity as we've talked about before. It's never good to make a celebrity your entire personality. Right. Um, but you know, it, it happens, but particularly with the internet where those relationships have been narrowed further and further because celebrities are on the internet, because you've got TikTok videos and Instagram posts and Twitter posts and Facebook posts and websites, etc. And so you've got this whole kind of mishmash of what are essentially what essentially creates these parasocial relationships that you feel you own people, you own celebrities, and that who you are is based in them. And, you know, we talked about this with Johnny Depp. We need to be able to separate ourselves and, you know, and to be able to say we like someone and they're problematic. We like their work and they are probably not a good person. Right. Um, And that that is not a reflection on us as human beings. It's not a reflection on our morality and our ethics. It's a reflection of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and we we really need to be able to do that. To go back to your your uh, initial point that I th- I'm afraid I kind of elided over about this this issue of receipts. These are crafting narratives, yep. and, and that's why you know I said I think that that all of this is probably a lot more complicated and a lot possibly stranger than we know, right? Because we're watching the narratives that are being crafted by the individuals participating in this um and more information might come out and so you know we've got oh Shia LaBeouf has, has these receipts well Olivia Wilde might come out with receipts tomorrow right um and and that kind of thing builds and builds but yeah at the end of the day this is something that people are crafting we know that pe- that you know so on the one on the one hand we've got Wilde who's who's going on a press tour Right. For her film, which is premiering at uh, Venice, I believe. Yeah. Um, So we've got her kind of, you know, ramping up the press, et cetera, which is what you expect from uh, a film premiere, et cetera. But that's that's what she's up to. She's doing press for her film. She's doing press for herself at some level. Then you've got LaBeouf, who uh, has been in major trouble and himself might you know is he's kind of trying to reignite his career revivify his career not that dissimilar to what johnny depp was up to by the way mm-hmm. um and so he's kind of gotten in now again this does not say that what he's saying is incorrect or that what she's saying is correct anything like that but we've got a lot of complicated things that are going on at the same time and so this fight is is in a lot of ways doing exactly what they want it to do yeah. certainly what LaBeouf wants it to do I'm not so sure about wild well and then to like to add fuel to the film twitter fire um Florence Pugh said that she's not doing press other than going to the premiere and stuff she's really not doing press to promote don't worry darling and people read into this is like oh she's really afraid of getting asked these questions and she or or trying to say that like oh there's this big beef between her and olivia wilde and that's why she doesn't want to promote the movie and it's like okay that might be true 
but also she's filming another movie right now she's filming dune part two and she's busy and they're like not here in the united states filming that movie so going back and forth to the set is going to be difficult you know what i mean so it's like a lot of times people don't promote their movies in the moment especially when they're smaller movies because they're working they're doing other stuff so people are trying to read into something that is not necessarily at all true and they're just they're just so determined and i mean we saw stuff against olivia wilde really start to happen with book smart and i'm sure that a lot of it is related to her relationship with harry styles and also a lot of it is just people don't like to see women succeed especially right out of the gate with their first feature you know debut and stuff so i don't know i don't know it's messy it's annoying it's ugly and a lot of what i really take away from it is just the lack of the lack of curiosity like people just don't ask the right questions anymore they just take everything at face value and it's very frustrating i mean a lot of it is i'm it's a lot of it's very high school yeah um you know it, it really is in fact the the other day i was i was watching a, a interesting uh, animated film called bell which came out uh last year i think it was at last last year's can uh-huh. Um, and it's an interesting film, but it's very much about these like avatars on the internet and celebrity and perceptions of who people are and how how people relate to each other. And but it all takes place among high school kids, right? Right. Um, and and this, in some ways, this reminds me of it because it's just like, oh, well, you know, she was dating him, but then she did something terrible and he <laughs> broke up with her, and then now she's dating this guy who's like the most popular guy in school. It really feels like that. Yep. Um, and except that we're all adults. Like most of the people participating in this, I make fun of the TikTok teenagers, but a lot of the people who are participating in this are like in their 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're fucking adults. We should be able to have a little more nuanced understanding of, of you know, social relationships than a bunch of, you know, 15, 16 year old kids. You would think. <laughs> you would think, but apparently not. But it really reads like very, very high school. So true. So true. Well, something that is definitely not high school. Let's let's talk now about <laughs> stuff that we enjoy. <laughs> and we do have a lot of stuff that we enjoyed this week, which there I'm excited was. about. <laughs> so first, let's talk about the new Amazon, sorry, Prime Video. It's so funny because, sorry, this is just a random side note, but I get a lot of press emails and I get emails from uh, publicists promoting stuff on Prime Video and like they'll in the notes, they'll say, be sure you reference it as Prime Video, not Amazon Prime Video. But in their subject lines, when they're promoting this stuff, new Amazon Prime Video series, League of Their Own. <laughs> <laughs> are they, well, are they trying to divorce it from Amazon as a company to like I, try to try maybe. to put a little barrier between that? Because we all know that Amazon runs Prime, that that's what it is. Yeah. I, yeah. I I think it's, and I don't think it's like, because of the animosity between Amazon necessarily. I think it's more of the animosity between with streamers, maybe. Like they wanna mm-hmm. they want to establish that Prime Video is not Netflix. You know what I mean? Like yeah. people have a lot of opinions about Netflix and they want to be like they don't want to be lumped into that anti-Netflix bias. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's ultimately what's at the heart of it. I'm not sure. But anyway, it's just really funny because they're like, don't call it Amazon Prime Video. Hey, watch this new Amazon Prime Video show. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but there's a new Prime Video series 
that came out what about a week two weeks ago yeah a couple weeks ago a couple weeks ago i think I, anyway. I admittedly came to it a little bit late yeah it's like it hit and then you watched it and then this week i got to watch it mm-hmm. so um mm-hmm. it is a league of their own i've been waiting for this show for years uh i loved the 1992 film and i always thought this would make a great tv show and we finally have a tv show that is even greater than i dared hope <laughs> And you watched it first. I know you talked about it a little bit last week, but why yeah. don't you go ahead and share your initial thoughts and, and just what it is that makes this such a special show to you? Uh, well, I mean, admittedly, I went into this just sort of being like, and initially when it was announced, I was like, uh, you know, like another beloved film that's being made into a TV show or being rebooted, et cetera. It's like, okay, fine, whatever. But yeah, yeah I, th- I think that you're right. It has a lot of potential to it to begin with, because there are a lot of things that the film didn't get to explore um, about the history of, of women's, of women's baseball, um, in, in the 1940s about, you know, issues of race, issues of gender and sexuality, all of that stuff. So I I mean, it's just being like, oh yeah, this, this is cool. This is a good idea. You know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what they do with this. I did not expect it to be as gay as it is. And that is not a criticism. (laughs) That is a good thing, yes. Yeah, like, but one of the things that I really liked about it, and we talked about this a bit when we talked about Our Flag Beans Death, is that it makes things that are so often implicit, explicit. Like, within the first episode, uh, it doesn't kind of pull punches about it. And what it's actually doing is exploring, you know, first of all, female society generally, I think, um, women existing in this time period, women existing in very male-dominated spaces, and the complications of sexuality and of desire and um, and of being in a situation where you can actually act on that, but being afraid at the same time. I, I loved the development of, um, oh, God damn it, uh, Greta. Uh, because she she starts out as being this really you know powerful confident obviously you know very much in in um, embedded in herself very like present right and she's always that but there is so much fear underlying that character um, there's fear of letting herself fall in love there's fear of being caught there's fear of um, losing something that she really that she really wants and that she really needs. Uh, and and I like the way that over the course of the um, over the course of the series that her and Carson almost change places, where Carson becomes more and more comfortable in her sexuality, becomes more and more aware of who she is, and more um, happy about who she is. And Greta kind of recedes a little bit. She all of those fears begin to bubble up because she is actually falling in love. Um, and feels like that this might actually be something that she wants and it's such a wonderful building of that that society and you get all of that joy but you also get all of that fear um and and i like the way that the the series did it without making it overly serious without with still allowing there to be a lot of humor and a lot of comedy and a lot of you know yeah let's root for the home team kind of thing so that was my, those were my initial impressions. I also just liked the fact that um, there's so many di- different types of women being represented, both in their sexuality, in their appearances, in their their uh, their performance of gender, 
um, in their races. I love Max and Clance. I think that they're like, I would watch a show that's just about them, to be honest. <laughs> Because they're just delightful. But again, I like the fact that we get all of these nuance that we, we're not getting stock characters. Um, yeah. And we're not just getting a repeat of what the film did too, because the film is great and the film does a lot of really wonderful things. But I like the fact that the show is like, okay, we're going to take that and we're going to kind of take it off into a different direction and talk about these issues more uh, explicitly and um, and with greater depth. Yeah, it, well, and there definitely, because of when it came out, um, 1992, the original film, like, there were a lot of things that they just, in order to have this movie accepted by a wide audience, there were things that they had to allude to without saying it straight up, you know? And and in the show, and at the time we're in now, in society, you can be a lot more explicit about, like, yeah, these are... Um, these are gay relationships. These are, you know, like there's, there's just a lot more honesty that can come out and like just being really straight out forthcoming, you know, with, with who these women are, with what their relationships were and not just in showing it, but also just talking about it. So, um, one of the things that I, I, I love everything that you just said and, and it all feeds into my opinion of the show too, but specifically what I wanted to mention was, was this um, these two characters of Max and Clance who are so wonderful. They're black women that are best friends. They've grown up together in Rockford their whole lives. And Max is this amazing pitcher. And because she is black, she doesn't even get to try out. It's not, it's not allowed. There's the league is not integrated. In fact, the, the professional men's leagues are not integrated yet at this point. And um, it's like, just on the cusp of Jackie Robinson and but it hasn't happened yet and so instead of trying to uh, rewrite history and say oh well but because she's so great they put her on the team or anything like that they're they're honest about it and so there are no women playing in the in or no black women sorry playing in this girls baseball league but instead of just letting that be the end of it, we follow Max. We follow her journey, her heartbreak of not being able to have this yeah. chance. And we see how parallel she is because she lives in Rockford. She's there. She sees the peaches all over town. She's constantly running into them and having this, you know, resentment that they get to do something that she doesn't just because they're white and she is black. And but she's also not consumed with her bitterness about it she's mm -hmm. just doing whatever she can to try to find a way to to live her dream and that's i think ultimately what i think makes this show so great is that it tells all these different stories it shows these parallel lives um someone actually referred to Mac max's story as not being parallel but being perpendicular and i was like oh wow that's actually really true that's that's good i don't know who said that so i can't credit them but it's like yeah that's actually really true because of the fact that she doesn't get to have the same journey as these other women uh hers goes in a very different direction but we get to see that they still are committed to telling the story of all these different women and mm -hmm. that i think is what makes a league of their own such a special show and why it's so good and i love the fact that they use a lot of like more modernized language it it's really funny to see women in the 40s talking like women in the 2020s you know <laughs> not all the time but they'll just like there will be certain phrases that they'll say that i'm like oh that's hilarious that she just said it like that you know 
Mm-hmm. And then a little bit more like the modern music and stuff, because uh, one of the directors was saying that that was their choice. One of the showrunners was saying that that was their choice because these women, what they're doing is radical. It's it's, you know, very progressive. And so having music that's out of their time and we've seen other shows do this too. Dickinson used this a lot, too. Um, it just kind of adds to that sense of like rebellion. And so it's just that's those a good fun point. details. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. Well, and, and I like I like so some of the beats in, in like the Mexican clan story. I like the the whole like she so, she, you know, she's not even allowed to try out. Um, and then it doesn't turn into this like, you know, oh, Carson or someone else is going to you know take her under their wing and somehow manage to like get her onto the team or something like that there's not this white savior mentality. Right. Um, which which the show could have very much gone towards. Yeah. Um, and it would have been warm and fuzzy, but it wouldn't and have been. I actually been... thought they were going to go there yeah. at one point and then they didn't. So. Yeah. Um, but like then we follow then we follow her trying to get on to the men's team. And it's like, oh, I'm gonna get a job at the at the screw factory in order to be eligible to get on the men's team for the factory and all of that stuff. Um, and all of the things that are that she kind of faces both because of her gender and because of her race. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then also because of her sexuality. And as that develops over the course of the of the the first season yeah. and how she comes to terms with that and understanding who she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's really well done. I like the fact that they don't pull away from from the prejudice um including of, P- of including of characters that we like and that's one of the things there's a moment um where i think clance says something about you know and they keep on referring to to uh, lesbians as inverts right yeah. and clance says something to that effect and it's painful it's painful because you know that that you know her best friend is concealing this and um and that she fe- and that you know clance feels this way uh, about women that are lesbians and um, and at the same time, it doesn't condemn her. It doesn't say, you know, she's now automatically a bad person or anything, but this is a prejudice that she has and she doesn't realize how much pain it is going to cause someone that she really cares about. Um, right. And is, and that is probably causing a lot of other people pain. Um, I also just loved, uh, just as a side note, the whole thing about Dorothy and <laughs> um, both both in terms of the, the referentiality to, to queerness but also just like Dorothy is actually a colonizer and like going into that entire interpretation of Prisoner of Oz I was like that actually I think you have a point there I actually yep. <laughs> that's a good argument um yeah I really, the the other thing I wanted to to say about this is that um I like the fact that the show deals very clearly with the sexism and the misogyny of the period without making men central to the story and they they pull some interesting little little bits like with the inclusion of nick offerman as the the coach uh as dove right and they they pull some of like interesting elements that you're just like oh i think i know where this is going and then it doesn't go there Mm -hmm. um and and so it keeps the show honest it makes sense none of it feels like a bait and switch particularly but it keeps the show honest and also shows that, you know, this is a very, this is a female centric story. This is a story about women, about their experiences in this period. And men are a part of that, but men are not the center of it. And men are not even really the center of the issues of sexism and misogyny. This is not about men learning anything. 
or becoming better men. This is about women and their experiences and them growing and changing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I yes, I quite liked that. Yes. It's such a great show. If you have not had a chance to watch it, all eight, eight or nine episodes are on. Maybe it's 10. I don't even know. The whole, nice. first, the whole first season is available on Prime Video now. And we're waiting to find out if it gets a second season pickup. But I feel like it will. It seems like it was very heavily talked about this week, this last couple of weeks. So fingers crossed. It's- it's been really popular, and I think the the sh- one of the showrunners I think recently said that it was like the number one streaming streaming uh, yeah. show on Prime right now. So it's actually it is definitely doing numbers and things like that. I really hope that they pick it up for another season because I want to see I want to see what more they can do with this. Yeah. Um. So just you know, watch it through, and then after you've watched it, press play on your thing and go to work and just let it run all day so that it just boosts those numbers because that's all I, they care about. I hate that this is a thing. That this is that this is like, you know, when I was reading about that the other day that that it's like, well, you need to watch it all the way through. She's like, what? I, I need to, I all like all the way through and as quickly as possible. I'm just like, but I I don't want to watch it as quickly as possible. I, I want to savor this. I want to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really I really hate the way that they're doing things. Something needs to change with streaming and the way that they they perceive popularity and things like that, because not all shows are binge shows. Not all shows are, um, you know, not all shows act in the same way. So I don't want to put on Sandman and just let it run. Yeah. Barry, the TV show Barry. I don't know if you've ever watched it. No. Um, But in this most recent season, they actually had a really good um a really good point about the age of streamers so there's this character sarah who by the third season she's in a relationship with barry the main character but their their lives are going very separate and anyway she's been developing a very personal tv show about some experiences that she had and um and so it's like They've been working on it. Darcy Carden is in that show, by the way, too. She actually, in the third season, is playing Sarah's assistant. Um, and Darcy Carden plays Greta in A League of Their Own. For and, was also, and was also in um, The Good Place. She was, yeah. Right, yeah. That's yeah. where I remember her from. So mm-hmm. seeing her play Greta on this show, I was just like, <laughs> this is a very different character. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. She's so great. Like, she plays such different characters in all of those shows. So, but anyway, um, so it's like everyone's excited. They've been working toward this premiere. And then the show airs and it does pretty well in the overnights, but it doesn't quite hit the threshold. So it gets canceled after one episode. Sorry, I'm spoiler alerts for season three of Barry. Um, but it gets canceled because the algorithm basically told them to. So, and there's, that's a whole other fight that Sarah ends up in and, and, um, but it, it, but anybody who's watching that, they can recognize this is exactly what's happening. This draws from real life. This is exactly what's happening with these streaming services is they're making all of these decisions based on what algorithms are telling them based instead of what actual human people are telling them. And that is so much of what we see. And so it's like, we have to trick the algorithms and make them unreliable in order for companies to realize this is not the way to go. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this week there was a silly story that my friend sent me about how Oscar Mayer 
I don't know if you saw this either, but Oscar Mayer is coming out with a frozen hot dog popsicle that has like a mustard swirl on it. This sounds <laughs> foul. The reason they decided to do this is because they put out a poll months ago about like tasty treats or something like that. I swear I feel like I voted in this poll just to be funny. And uh anyway this frozen hot dog popsicle thing won the poll and they didn't take the time to think maybe that was an ironic thing and so now they're making it and it's gonna flop and then they're gonna scratch their heads and go but people said they wanted this well you do kind of wonder how like when when companies are going to figure out that this is <laughs> that that the internet is is not reality in a lot of ways and the people do things for shits and giggles basically exactly. like and they're just like oh yeah it's totally totally want that and it's just like no it was it's like the whole morbius thing mm-hmm. um with with you know sony believing <laughs> that there was like some sort of a cult movement um in support of morbius and and look how that worked out yeah it was and it, it was ridiculous but it's the, it is the same kind of thing it's just like you've got at some point you've got to figure out that the algorithm is not always right some of this shit begins to sound like you know those things that ai come up with <laughs> yep um and and in fact i was watching an episode of qi the other day and it was like jokes that ai had made up and one of them was was like how many legs does the queen have <laughs> you know <laughs> and it was just like that doesn't make any sense <laughs> um, how many legs does the queen have well, there was no answer. This is the problem. The, the AI was just able to come up with jokes, not able to come up with answers to jokes. There's this whole conversation about, I guess there's a term called giraffing, um, which, which is where the AI and computers believe that giraffes are more common than they actually are because people will, because people post uncommon things on the internet. They don't post common things. So, you know, you don't post a jug of milk. Because that's really common. Nobody cares about that. But you will post like a picture of a giraffe. And so they be- so AI will assume that giraffes are really, really common when in fact they're only common on the internet because they're unusual. That is amazing. <laughs> but it's it's a good thing to keep in mind, I think. And I really hope that some of these streamers actually begin to recognize that a little bit more and be like, hey maybe this isn't the way to like run our business because and and it will take a number of major flops before i think they finally get it but still you're just like guys do you not know how the internet works still yeah Yeah. but until then keep manipulating those algorithms and you know for better or for worse either way like let's let's drive home the demise of this stupid algorithm thing because well, and that's another thing. Like, if anybody has seen the movie Coded Bias, you'll understand another facet of why algorithms are terrible. That one should be on Netflix. It was. Mm-hmm. Have you ever watched it? I haven't, but I've heard of it. Yeah. I mean, it started with this this uh, woman who was working on, I think, her PhD. And she accidentally found that there was bias built into uh, algorithms because it couldn't recognize she's black and it couldn't recognize her skin when she tried to do facial recognition. And so then that led into this whole exploration into uh, into not just facial recognition, but algorithms in general. Who gets approved for credit? Who gets to... I can't even think right now. But just like all kinds of things. And the reason... It's not even intentional a lot of times. 
But what happens is when you have a bunch of white, you know, young white men in Silicon Valley who are writing these algorithms, they're writing it from their very limited worldview. Not necessarily because they're racist and sexist. Some of them are, of course, but not all of them are. But they're only writing it from their own perspective because they don't know what they don't know. And so Mm -hmm. these algorithms take on this huge life of their own from very faulty beginnings. And so it creates this this thing that's totally out of control. And that's why we get so many of the problems that we have with algorithms is because they start with too limited of a scope in the first place. So watch that movie. It's really good. And like I said, I think it's on Netflix. Um, yeah. So speaking of things that are good. Um, <laughs> and that you should watch. And that you should watch. And I don't think that Shudder really gives a shit about algorithms as much as other streamers do. Because they're just giving us all kinds of wonderful stuff that probably couldn't find an audience anywhere else. <laughs> One of those movies is Glorious, which you highly recommended to me and that was actually your recommendation this week on instagram so why don't Mm -hmm. you talk about glorious uh so glorious i i want to kind of figure out how how do you explain what this movie is about um basically (laughs) glorious is about a man named wes who is going through a really bad breakup and he he stops at a roadside uh at a roadside rest stop to initially just really i think to to kind of give himself a rest but um but he he like kind of descends into he starts drinking he starts you know burning all of the things that were a part of his relationship etc um he he wakes up the the next day passed out on the ground and goes into the rest stop to kind of barf and clean up and in the next stall a strange voice begins talking to him through a glory hole uh (laughs) cut out into a painting of this this monstrous creature if you don't know what a glory hole is i recommend you do not google it (laughs) my my mom actually asked me what it was and i was like um and my dad was like i'll tell you in a minute (laughs) (laughs) we have to wait until our child leaves the room even though she's an adult (laughs) So I like got until I like got off the phone. Yeah, it's just like uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know how to explain this to you, mother. <laughs> My mom was like, "Oh, I'll just Google it." I was like, "Well, nope, 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 you nope. could." <laughs> if anybody doesn't know and you're willing to heed our advice not to Google it, DM me. I will tell you. <laughs> I thought that everyone knew what it was, but like, I there's probably some very sweet summer child out there who does not. <laughs> but. Um... Um, but so so he, Wes begins to, to have this conversation with this very strange voice, voiced by J.K. Simmons. <laughs> which was and, such a great choice. Which is a fantastic choice. And it, it becomes increasingly apparent that either Wes is having a major nervous breakdown or he could very well be the um, the only hope for the, save, the saving of the universe. <laughs> and it just kind of goes out from there. I don't want to explain too much about what happens, except that it's very Lovecraftian. And so if you know Lovecraft, if you know like the Elder Gods and things like that, the Great Old Ones, um, you could kind of maybe see a little bit where this is going. The, the wonderfulness of it is that there's a lot of humor in it. And at the same time, it has all of this darkness. Uh, and it balances things really well. And I do think that part of that is is definitely J.K. Simmons and him being like such a comforting voice on the one hand 
And on the other hand, being like a bit sarcastic <laughs> and everything. And that's why I was like, oh, this is like if Elder Gods had a sense of humor. Uh-huh. Um, it's a really wonderful film. It's really it's only got about four characters in it total. And the 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 main characters really are um, Wes, who is played by uh, Ryan Quanton and J.K. Simmons. Uh and then there, there are a couple more characters that, that feed into that. It's directed by uh, Rebecca McKendry, who just does a fantastic job with this. It's a really fun and enjoyable interpretation, I think, of sort of Lovecraftian themes. Um, and I, yeah, I really can't recommend it enough. I enjoyed the crap out of it. I <laughs> Watching it, I was like, this is exactly the kind of thing that I like. I'm so glad that these things exist. <laughs> there are parts that are just literally laugh out loud funny. I watched yeah. and I laughed so hard. Um, and I won't say what they were because I don't want to spoil it for you and, and, you know, spoil your, your excitement and enthusiasm and humor as you watch it yourselves. Um, but it's, it's good. It's really crazy. It's really inventive. It's very funny. Um, I definitely guessed a major thing that happens, but when it turned out that I was right, I did, I wasn't disappointed. I was just like, yeah, okay, cool. You know? Mm -hmm. So um yeah and it's only 80 minutes long so there you yes. go yeah i think highly recommend it definitely yeah yeah for sure um and then my choice this week was watcher and you got to watch this one too last night i did yes yeah so this movie um uh, make monroe stars as a young woman who um has just moved with her husband to bucharest um in romania they she's american i think he is part romanian like his family is from there originally so he speaks romanian but he's there for his job and so he's gone at work all day long and she's just trying to learn the language she's living in their apartment you know she's there a lot by herself and stuff and she starts to notice this guy across the street and and up above a little bit always seems to be watching her in her apartment and she tries to she tries to say something you know to her husband like hey this creepy dude's watching but he would look over and there's nothing happening over there like then he starts to say well maybe he's looking at you because he's wondering why you're watching him you know and she starts to just mention things to people and everyone's just kind of telling her it's not what you think meanwhile at the same time there's a serial killer running around town and he is specifically or she uh, is specifically going after women. And so it's just this extra layer of creepiness. Also a movie that is not very long. It's only about an hour and a half, I think. Um, but really good, really, um, really tense movie where this woman is constantly being told the thing that you are experiencing, the thing that you are so sure of is not real. And she's being told this by people who aren't there, who aren't seeing what she's saying. And so it becomes this, like, really, um, just a really good, what's the word I'm looking for, um, um, metaphor, I guess, for how mm-hmm. women experience life in general. Like, whether this guy is actually watching her or not um, is not even the full point of the story. It's the fact that people constantly dismiss women and their experiences. Yeah. And... And like, so I was, I mean, I was telling you last night that for me, so much of this, even though I've never been in this exact literal situation, so much of this felt so familiar to me. And I was like, I have been there. I've been in this, you know, in these types of scenarios and it is frustrating as hell. 
And I think that it gets captured really, really well. And Make Monroe does such a good job in her performance that uh, you're just 100% on her side the whole time. So, and, and I like that they leave things um, not fully answered until a little bit later. And so like, yeah. you're not sure if you should believe her, but you just know that you do. So. Yeah, it, it it does a really good job at building that paranoia and also that paranoia of am I just being paranoid? Right. Um, you know, is is this actually happening? And the, the whole thing where, you know, there's so much interplay of looking um in in the film. And it's, you know, we we're so used to, I think, seeing women in thrillers particularly being looked at, but her gaze becomes very powerful as the film goes on. Mm-hmm. What she sees and what she perceives and that whole thing about looking and looking back. Yeah. Uh, and and it's it builds really well. I think it's really well constructed. The other thing that I really liked was the her kind of separation from everybody else because of the language barrier and because of like, you know, so there's there's several scenes where she is standing in a room talking with other people, but they are all speaking Romanian and she doesn't really understand what they're saying. And right. they, they and they apologize and they're like, oh, here's what I was saying. You know, she depends upon her husband to translate for her. And she's trying to learn the language at the same time. But there is that that barrier and that separation um, between her and, and like everybody else because she's being spoken to in a language that she doesn't understand. Uh, and then as she begins to learn more and and understand more, but it it really contributes to that sense of alienation and isolation which she then experiences as a result of this, this watcher watching being watched thing. Yeah. Um, it's really well done. People have described it as a slow burn and it definitely is, but I, I tend to to view slow burns as at some point being a little bit meandering. And I did not feel that this was meandering at all. I felt that it built the tension really, really well. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is the type of movie that the term slow burn should be used for. Yeah. And a lot of times other movies get credited as being a slow burn when really they're just slow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, no, exactly. It builds the tension really well. You feel for her. You feel for her, uh, like her relationships with other people. And um, and you understand kind of what she's going through. And again, I, I would I would honestly be sort of interested to know some men like what what men thought of this film uh because i feel like that this is such a very female film that it's it speaks very much to the experience of being a woman Mm -hmm. um and and that experience of like doubting yourself doubting your relationship to other people um you know how much of this should i take seriously how much shouldn't i take seriously and and yeah not having ever been in this kind of situation hope i never am (laughs) Um, but definitely you feel that, you know, that experience as a woman, I think, um, in in different ways. And of particularly, I liked the fact that her husband doesn't completely dismiss her. He's not just like, oh, oh you're crazy. But he never really totally believes her. Right. And and it, it strikes a nice balance where he isn't he's not a villain, really, but he doesn't understand. Yeah. And. And and the viewer does, and the viewer is put in her position and is put in her experience. It's not this vicarious thrill of you know watching a woman being stalked. It's being a woman. It's being a woman being stalked, basically, mm-hmm. or thinking you're being stalked. Yeah. So this was directed by another female director, Chloe Okuno, and uh, this is actually her first feature. So she directed a segment for VHS ninety four. 
And actually, it's funny because I didn't realize that she had directed for that one. And her story in that movie is the only one I actually liked. Um, Because I did not enjoy VHS 94 like a lot of people did. But anyway. um, But yeah, this is her first feature. And it's like, it's one of those features that's so good. so Or one of those debuts that's so good and so confident that I cannot wait to see what she does next. And It's very assured. Yes. Yeah. And her next movie, I don't know anything about it. It's in pre-production, but it's called The Dating Game. And just that title and looking at the rest of what she has worked on, I'm like, ooh, <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> oh, I just looked. It tells the story of serial killer Rodney Alcala and Cheryl Bradshaw. Oh, my God. Ooh. Anyway. She she likes serial killers. <laughs> yeah. Well, she probably finds them fascinating like so many of us do. So, uh, all right. Well, that's Glorious and Watcher. Both are available on Shudder and AMC+. Plus. Uh, highly recommend those. If you still at this point in your life have not gotten a Shudder or AMC Plus subscription, do a free trial. Watch both of these movies. Look at what else is there and then sign up. Because, yeah. It's one of the... Like, I hate the AMC Plus interface, but... They have a lot of stuff that I enjoy on there. It's it's one of the better, least obnoxious, I think, streaming services out there. Yeah, but their interface on Roku really sucks. The I don't interface know on Roku is awful. I don't know if it's any better on other um on other like platforms that aren't Roku and other like you know versions of that. But my I like I can't find shit. On that yeah, thing. yeah. <laughs> the stuff that they actually have, if you can find it, is great. And you should watch. So, yeah. Uh, have you been watching anything else you wanted to mention? I have been. I kind of want to talk about this a little bit, you know, maybe maybe in another episode. Uh, but Only Murders in the Building, which yes. just ended. Uh, so much fun. We've talked about this before. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely love Only Murders in the Building. I think they did a great job. And I cannot wait for next season. I sort of hope that it's just like three and done um Mm -hmm. i think that that's been talked about a lot because i feel like if this can't go on for too long (laughs) no but they definitely Um, set it up where now they have to tell us the next story oh yeah no like i want to i want to know what happens steve martin and martin short are like just delightful together and honestly selena gomez over the past these past two seasons has been a major surprise for me uh, I think she's actually grown into to quite a good actress and quite an entertaining personality so i quite and i like her interaction with them as well so yeah, if you haven't watched Only Murders in the Building, like it is so it's 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 a cozy murder mystery in a Manhattan apartment building. Like, mm. come on, it's so fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, that, and I've also been watching a lot of the boxing movies that are currently on uh, Criterion Channel. There are many good ones. Most of them are depressing and make me go like, why in the name of God would anyone become a boxer? <laughs> but they're good films. So nice. Um, well, this week I watched a couple of other movies that are new. I watched Beast with Idris Elba and Charlotte Copley, where uh, it's about a rogue lion who his entire pride was killed by poachers. So he decided to kill all the humans. And, you know, it's hard not to be team lion in that situation. Fair. Um, <laughs> Fair. You know, right? just like you, you, you fuck around. Now you're going to find out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But of course, our protagonist here is is Idris Elba, and it's also hard not to be Team Idris Elba. So you know. Uh, anyway, that movie itself it's it's really stressful. Um, 
It is one of the most stressful movies I have seen in many, many years. Uh, so it's a good thing that it's also only about an hour and a half. Because if it had been longer, I probably would have had a full-on panic attack. <laughs> but uh, it's one that it's like, I didn't necessarily think it was a great movie, but it was really well made. So it's like, uh, it's worth watching. It's definitely worth watching if you can handle the stress. Um but also it's very stressful and if you can't handle it or that's just not what you're into don't don't watch this <laughs> um it is in theaters right now i think it's coming to some streamers but i'm not sure when and then the other thing that i watched new this week was orphan first kill which is Ooh. the prequel <laughs> to orphan i really want to see that <laughs> it's on um paramount plus mm-hmm. and yeah and it's um so anybody who hasn't seen orphan and you don't want spoilers on orphan maybe you know don't listen here but basically there's this character esther and uh she gets you know becomes a adopted by this family and turns out that she's not who we think she is which is a nine-year-old girl um Anyway, so this movie is the prequel to that. So this is like how Esther ended up in the United States in the first place. And um, and once like this time, instead of getting adopted, she pretends to be the missing daughter of this rich family. And so she, you know, it's been several years. So she she looks similar enough to how that girl might have aged that it's you know it's easy for mom and dad to be like oh wow this is our daughter but of course there are some inconsistencies with her story and then there's a big twist that i do not want to give away whenever someone tells me there's a big twist i usually can figure it out i did not see this one coming so it was really fun and i was just like oh this is a delicious detail so um i i think it's a fun movie i do agree this is you know not much different from a lot of lifetime murder mystery type of movies but I thought it was a lot of fun and I watched it on Paramount Plus. I didn't go see this in the theater and that was, you know, a great choice. So, um, yeah, it's I, I say if you are into this, if you liked Orphan, just give this a watch because it's it's a it's a fun little movie. So Orf- Orphan is it made me so uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yes. and if you've seen Orphan, you know why. And if you haven't seen Orphan, I'm not going to tell you why right um they didn't quite go there in this one they did some other things instead that yeah yeah but i was sitting there going like this is incredibly inappropriate and i do not (laughs) i do not support this but also this is just batshit and i i really enjoy the fact that you actually decided that this was a good idea for a horror movie Mm -hmm. like i i yeah i enjoyed the crap out of orphan even though it is not i wouldn't say it's a good movie but it's a very enjoyable one for what it does. It's it it feels like kind of a, an exploitation throwback almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah. So if if you haven't seen Orphan, I I definitely recommend watching it <laughs> <laughs> without yeah. knowing anything because somehow I managed to like go into this film not really having any knowledge of it, um, other than the fact that oh it's like a creepy kid sort of story. And and then it, it went in directions. I was like, that okay. Um <laughs> Yeah, I so I read the spoilers ahead of time because I'd heard it was really disturbing. And I was like, is this a movie that I want to watch? So I read all the spoilers and then I was like, Yes, yes, this is a movie I want to watch. 
Um, so both of them are available on Paramount Plus. So cool. Yeah. Any other uh any other things you wanted to mention? No, no further recommendations for this week. Uh although I've been watching horror films for some reason. So I guess I'm I'm gearing up for spooky season. We're getting there. It's almost time. I know. So cool. All right. Well, do you have anything further to add? Uh, watch more movies, as we said, and uh, let's not make assumptions about people until we actually know the whole story, which we probably won't. So. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate your support. Um, we especially appreciate our patrons who help keep the show going. And they are Ollie, Brian, Connor, Estefania, Heather, James, Kathleen, Cariata, Mason, Matt, Michelle, Monty, Nanina, Robert, Robert, Steve, Sharon, Tao, and Will. If you would like to become a patron yourself, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash citizen dame. We also have our Zazzle store, zazzle.com slash citizen dame pod, and our ko-fi, ko-fi.com slash citizen dame. Those are just some of the ways that you can support the show. But we also just love that you're here. And if you'd like to uh, read more, hear more, you can go to our website, citizendamepod.com. Uh, we have reviews coming. I know we've been promising, but it's been a busy summer, okay? Uh, we're getting there. Anyway, but you can also reach out to us uh, through our email at citizendamepod at gmail.com or on the socials, Twitter and Instagram at citizendamepod and letterboxed at citizendame. We, thanks to a suggestion from Estefania a few weeks ago, we started a list where we keep a running track of all the movies that we talk about on this podcast. I've been live updating it as we've been talking. So it is up to the minute. Wow, um, you're good. <laughs> I, you know, if I don't do it, then it's then I have to just hope it happens later. And so anyway, uh, yeah, so it is currently updated. You can also reach out to us individually. Lauren, where are you? I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at LH Business. And I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Karen M. Peterson. So that's going to finish things up for this week, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Hey. What? What's up? Nothing. There's this guy that lives across the street, and he's always looking over here. Looking over here how? Every time I look over there, he's just standing in his window, and it's like he's staring right at me. Which window is it? Right there. I can't see anything. Because it's day. He only looks in at night? I can only see him at night. Doesn't mean that he's not... You know what? Forget it. No, come on. Mm. If you're feeling uncomfortable about something, you should talk about it. Really? I'm fine. So you're Diane Keaton? Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I said. <laughs>